All right, welcome back, everybody. Special edition, two episodes of the podcast this week slash weekend. want to thank Mark Sessler from Around the NFL again for coming on to talk about Baker Mayfield in part one of the series. It's time to talk about Baker Mayfield. Really good conversation with Mark. I thought he gave a lot of insight, a lot of depth as to what we are looking for from Baker Mayfield the rest of the season, what our sort of level of concern should be with him right now as we go into this game tomorrow against the Cincinnati Bengals. So huge thank you to Mark. Really fun episode. Hope to have him on later this season as the Browns hopefully get ready for the playoffs. Part two of my series, it's time to talk about Baker Mayfield. I get to bring in Mina Kimes today from ESPN. I'm really, really excited about that because Mina is, one, one of the smartest people that's writing and talking about football, period. But, um, two, just really gracious with her time and, and gracious to come on and chat with me for the second time in the history of this podcast. A recurring guest, Mina Kimes. So huge shout out to Mina Kimes. We talk cover some similar concepts here. I just wanted another really smart person's take on Baker, but we talk about a few different things. We get into a little bit of like what the Browns options are really going to be if the team decides not to pick up his fifth year option. Um, and just a lot of other stuff about Baker Mayfield. You know, Mina interviewed Baker last season, last off season when Baker was on the cover of ESPN, the magazine, when Baker felt like was doing a thousand different stories per day being interviewed by GQ and, and other places. So Mina knows Baker pretty well, knows kind of what makes him tick. So uh, I thought she would be another perfect person to have come on and talk Baker Mayfield with me. So again, thank you for joining. Thank you for waiting. I know it's a day late, but appreciate the patience. And here's part two of the It's Time to Talk About Baker Mayfield series featuring Mina Kimes. I am Jordan Zerm, and this is The Rebuild. Cool. Well, I am excited to welcome in um, ESPN's Mina Kimes into the podcast. Uh, Mina, I believe you were my final guest when I uh, took a pause on this podcast before I moved out to Los Angeles, and, and now you're back. So appreciate you uh, rejoining the pod. When was I? Wait, what was it? Last year? Was yeah, it was like last July, like mid July, 2019. Like another time in the United States entirely. So do you feel better now as a Browns fan than you did then or worse? I think then um, you were very optimistic, probably. Right? Um, yeah, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, no. So that would have been before the 2019 season started. So, yes, I was probably incredibly optimistic. Um, I think I feel better about their coach than I than I did at any time. But uh, <laughs> that might be it. Um, yeah, so, you know, I wanted to have you on because I think there has been – I think this week between – the Ringer, PFF, I think USA Today, like a lot of national people wrote about Baker Mayfield and his struggles this week. And I think it was entirely warranted. Um, he probably had one of the worst outings I can remember in his um, three years as a Browns quarterback. And I think that there are a lot of people both in Cleveland and both, I think, just kind of nationally that um, it sort of feels like the Baker Mayfield thing is is going to come to a head at some point. Um, I just, I found it interesting how many things were written about him uh, this week specifically though. Um, and I wanted to ask you, 
Do you think that sort of the level of Baker, I guess we'll call it panic, the level of Baker panic is, do you think it's too much right now? You think it's not enough or you think it's like right at the level that it should be? Um, well, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly what, I guess, to put my finger on a consensus. I think anyone who's saying he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL and will prevent the Browns from, you know, ever winning and getting to the playoffs, that's wrong. I think anyone who thinks, okay, we definitely have a ceiling in place now, perhaps, um, and a sense of his limitations and perhaps what tier he might fall into, I think that's probably accurate I don't uh, in terms of like whether or not that should induce panic I think depends on your view of roster construction and what a team is capable of with a certain sort of quarterback um so I I I guess I don't think the Browns are doomed but I think that I would be concerned yeah I mean maybe a better way to frame it is, is asking like do you think that um that he is in any way the sort of same quarterback that we saw in 2018, which I guess is, it can also be somewhat difficult because obviously defenses didn't really have any pro tape on him. And some of what he did as a, as a rookie teams are now taking away. I think a very specific example you're seeing of that is like so many defenses are just sort of throwing a guy into his passing lane, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's Minka Fitzpatrick, like we saw, um, on the Browns opening drive last weekend and Baker has not really adjusted to that in these past two seasons. Whereas like as a rookie, they just weren't defenses didn't really know what to play against him yet. So he, he was able to sort of take advantage of a lot of those like short, quick passing windows that are no longer available. Um, do you think that sort of the quarterback that we saw in 2018, like still exists or, or is Baker was Baker maybe never that quarterback to begin with? Yeah, I think your assessment of sort of uh, his stats being inflated by the way defenses were playing at the time is probably accurate. Um, you know, I think he's kind of a – some people call it a game manager. I think the better description would be a scheme-dependent quarterback. I think there's a lot of those in the NFL right now. Um, here's the most optimistic interpretation. I think one of those went to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, now they had, a, it, you know, talking of course about the Kansas City Chiefs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think, uh, the Niners obviously had a much better defense than Cleveland, which is why you would be concerned. You know what I mean? Um, or like feel like, well, okay, we're, our team isn't there with that sort of quarterback. Um, but it, it's, you, you see a lot of it around the NFL, you know, um, especially like a lot of these, um, sort of coaches from the Shanahan tree. Uh, and I'd put Stavansky in that in the mix there, um, are able to kind of design offenses in a way where if the run game is working, if play action is working, if the quarterback is not forced to be a traditional drop back passer, so to speak, or in unfavorable down and distance situations, um, that with a certain level of accuracy uh, and, and athleticism, they can kind of keep the chains moving and occasionally make spectacular plays. I think Baker is definitely one of those quarterbacks. Um, I don't think he transcends it and certainly doesn't look like it right now. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you make a good point there. And I think maybe sometimes yeah, both fans and, and maybe even media, I definitely myself, like 
I think there's this sort of desire to want the quarterback of the team that you root for to, to sort of be that transcendent quarterback. Like, and that's probably an unfair bar. Like, you know, there are only a handful of the Patrick Mahomes, the Deshaun Watsons, the Dak Prescott's like these guys that are just going to be able to flourish really no matter what, because they're just, they're just good quarterbacks and they don't necessarily need a specific system to really kind of hold their hand. And I guess that's a little harsh way to put it, but like, I think sometimes we can get caught up in that. And I think this week might be a good example of that where um, a lot of people are kind of like, well, you know, is Baker this guy that after he, you know, his first read is taken away, he just becomes a really average and to bad quarterback. Is he a guy that's going to need Kevin Stefanski to really design a scheme specifically tailored to his talents. But I think like, like you said, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the league and most of them are flawed and most of them need some sort of help from, you know, other players or the scheme around them. And I, I think something I've sort of realized a little bit this week is like, you know, we should probably be more okay with that than we are because it really is very difficult to find somebody like, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, like Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I think it becomes more of a question when you're faced with the question, the question for the Browns of whether to pay that quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're like, okay, so this guy's kind of replaceable. Why not just draft someone or, you know, try to find Ryan Tannehill or whatever. Well, Ryan Tannehill has been excellent. But I'm just saying like, you know, there's a big difference between the kind of quarterback you and I just talked about on a rookie contract and one and giving him Jimmy or Jared Goff money. And I think that's a question the Browns obviously going to have to face soon. It'll be very interesting to me to see how they handle it. Yeah, I, it's, I was trying to think about like what their other options are if they decide, like what, if they decide like what the Bears did with Mitch Trubisky, that they're going to decline that fifth year option because like the, the free agency class, like outside of Cam Newton is pretty terrible. And, um, you know, they're not going to, they're going to win too many games to have any sort of shot at like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, obviously. And then I guess you look at like that second tier of quarterbacks, which I, you know, to be honest, I'm not even super familiar with. Obviously Trey Lance is a guy that people have talked about from, from North Dakota state, but um, you know, there's, I think there's differing opinions on him and he's definitely a guy that is probably going to need some, some work at the NFL level. Like, so I don't even know. I think what scares me a little bit is that, you know, per, say the Browns get to the end of the season for whatever reason, Baker has like continued to regress to the point where he's like really holding the offense back from reaching its potential. I don't, I'm not really sure like what the Browns next move is. Well, I think I'd also add there's going to be some reclamation projects hitting the market as well in Sam Darnold. Dwayne sure. um, so there's going to be a lot of options for teams out there. Uh, you got like a guy like a James Winston, potentially looking for his next team, you know, looking for to be a starter again as well. So uh, it, it's a difficult decision. I I don't envy Cleveland in having to make it. I think, um, you know, it, it, the other thing with Baker, I think, is uh, the physical limitations can cause some problems that I think might induce them to think, okay, well, if we're going to find a guy who – to run this scheme, at least we can find one where I think like height isn't a factor perhaps. Um, I often say about Baker, he's kind of like what people thought Russell Wilson would be mm-hmm. <laughs> like the negative, um, like a lot of the negative stereotypes associated with short quarterbacks are true for Mayfield. Um, 
And you forget that a lot of the short quarterbacks who have thrived in the league are like the top X percent, like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, um, whereas like someone like Kyler Murray has like the athleticism to get around some of those challenges. Mayfield does not. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And I, I think too, he's just like so fascinating to me, just like how his sort of career has gone because even though like when he was a rookie and defenses were unsure of how to play against him and what his weaknesses were, like he was still making some throws that were pretty eye popping and, um, he was still doing things that, you know, made a lot of people, myself included, kind of feel like, okay, like this is, this is the dude. Like he's, I haven't seen a Browns quarterback. Now it's a low bar, but like, come out and like be able to showcase that kind of accuracy and that kind of like ability to throw on the run and all of that. And, you know, he does it a little bit in spurts now. Like I, I think an example would be, um, you know, his pass to Kareem Hunt against the, the Colts um, a couple weekends ago where he sort of rolled out and just threw a really, really nice ball to, to Kareem Hunt, who was sort of like in the middle of two defenders in the back of the end zone. So like he still can make those throws. I also wonder too, I think something we're seeing with him is he's just like, it's a weird thing because Baker Mayfield does not seem like somebody who would be hesitant. Like that, that is a dude that you would think, especially from college and especially from his rookie year, like that dude's going to let it rip no matter what. And it seems like whether it's a product of last year and he got so spooked with all the interceptions he threw that he just like, doesn't want to let it rip as much anymore. But I think you're especially seeing it in that Pittsburgh game. There were a lot of instances where he just held onto the ball a beat too long and he either got sacked or he missed somebody flashing open. And you're just, it's a very weird thing. What sort of happened to him um, that, that I think isn't sometimes isn't just like what his limitations are just as a quarterback. It just seems like mentally too, he sort of lost a little bit of that edge that he seemed to have when he was a rookie. It's just, I'm very fascinated by what's happening. Yeah. I think, I mean, his issues are not arm. I mean, it's vision and, I think how he responds to pressure. Right. And I think those qualities can lead to some of the things you're describing. I mean, there, I've, I've heard people who are better at, than I am at diagnosing mechanical issues, comment on some of the things they're seeing with footwork and, you know, to my eye that you do see kind of like a bit of a labored process, but I'm, again, that's not really my specialty, but um, to me, uh, he, seems probably what you're describing that sort of apprehension probably stems from mistakes he's made because of problems with vision and responding to pressure. And, you know, that kind of thing just tends to build on itself. Yeah, it does. And I, it's something that happened last year. And I just wonder sometimes if it's going to happen this year too, even though they are four and two. And I, I do think sometimes like we're forgetting it and that they do have a, I think it is the, by definition, the easiest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way. Um, you know, sometimes I think we can get hyper uh, keen about like OBJ's body language and even Jarvis Landry's body language, um, especially in games like last Sunday's where um, you can especially, I mean, Odell's an emotional guy. He's going to, um, he's going to show his body language on the field, but it can be a little discouraging sometimes to watch him and Landry, especially sometimes in the all 22 view where you can kind of see them walking to the sideline after a, after a bad play by Baker. And you just sort of wonder what's going through everybody's head and, how things are kind of going when you have, and we saw this last year, like when you have those sort of personalities um, at your wide receiver core and, and wonder like how they feel about Baker Mayfield and sort of how that will affect the team as they sort of move along through the season. Yeah. I, I think people 
have no idea how frustrating it is to play wide receiver in the NFL. I I can't, I cannot imagine like not only just not getting the ball sometimes, but like you're just running every play. You're just running running. around as hard as you can, sometimes perfectly and nothing happens. And then imagine, okay, finally you do get it and it's off, right? Like just how unbelievably frustrating that would be. And then your entire livelihood is based on your production, which is contingent on the performance of not only the quarterback, but the offensive line blocking like so many DeAndre Hopkins once described this and he was like, so many things have to go right for me to get the football. <laughs> and, you know, like the boss gets snapped. The quarterback has to like read the field. The protection has to hold up. Then the boss be placed. And it, it, it is it remarkable that they don't freak out more often, in my opinion. It is. I, um, this is obviously my experience, very similar to an NFL quarterbacks. Uh, I was a camp counselor when I was like 14, 15, and sometimes we would play football and I would get, be getting screamed at by like 13 kids who thought they were open, who wanted the football. And I just imagine that it's very much, it's a similar situation being an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I can't, I can't can't imagine. (laughs) Um, well, I kind of wanted to sort of, end kind of on this note and and with Baker and just like what you've seen from the Browns as a whole and and kind of Kevin Stefanski who you know you mentioned sort of from a Shanahan tree that that kind of runs a very similar style of offense where like the tight ends are a big focus the running game is a big focus um, and you're sort of making it trying to make it easy on your quarterback by sort of rolling them out of the pocket getting them on the move and and making easy throws and um like I, I tend to think the Browns still can win ten games. I think they can go ten and six. I think they can get a wild card spot. Um, like I think that's very much obtainable for them. I'm, I'm curious just for you as a whole, and maybe stepping away from just the Baker lens here for a moment. But like what you've seen, even though it's only been six games, like what you've seen from Stefanski um, and the the offense as a whole, and like how you sort of envision the rest of the season for the Browns going, maybe in a best case scenario. Um, I, it's tough because I still think that. Wild card is in play because of the expanded playoffs, but they are very much the third best team in their own division to me. Um, I don't think that's in dispute really. Right. So it's again, I, like I think making the playoffs would be sort of like a, a step in the right direction. But again, given this, these questions about Baker, these larger questions about what the franchise should do with him. Uh, it, it's so nebulous to me. Like, how well does he have to play mm-hmm. to be the franchise guy to get that long-term contract? Um, I, like, like I said, I, I, I think Stefanski's done a terrific job. Um, just even in the way this team's responded to adversity where it doesn't feel like the Browns just got stomped and it still, it feels, normal inside that building like the interviews with him and the staff and even Baker it doesn't feel like last year where everything was constantly teetering mm-hmm. on you know the precipice like it, it was like a normal NFL team that just got beat, <laughs> if that makes sense um and so I think that like on top of the schematic things he's brought to the table I think and, and I think he's done a terrific job and the obvious improvement in the offensive line which you know is I don't think Wyatt Teller's coming back this week but um that's something to be really excited about too for Browns fans and the eventual return of Nick Chubb. I think the future is like good. Like the foundation is there, but get, like, it's hard to know right now. This is not a really great answer for me. What the answer, what the right thing to do is at the quarterback position. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree at all. I think, um, I think, you know, Baker is going to have, 
the time uh, the rest of the season to sort of give the front office and Andrew Barry and the coaching staff like enough evidence, I think. Um, you know, yeah. he's going to grow into Stefanski's scheme, which is still he's only six games into it. You know, I think like there's a lot of factors at play there, but I do think that like uh, his mistakes and the things that he is not good at um, don't appear to be getting better. Like I think there was a time when we just figured like, oh, you know, he's not seeing the field as well right now because the Browns have no identity. Like last season, they have no idea. Like we don't know what they're doing on offense, but then those sort of same mistakes are still happening. Um, and so I think that has started to worry some people. <laughs> uh, and so it's just going to be, it's just going to be really interesting. And I think the last time we did talk on this podcast was right after you had done that cover story for ESPN uh, with him ahead of the season. And it, it's, it is very interesting to see, I think just him on a week to week basis, how much quieter he's been this season. And um, I don't think he's clapped back at anybody on social media yet. Like he's, he's really shown some restraint from um, I think that off season um, last summer when he was everywhere, he was on multiple covers. He was doing a lot of talking and all the, all the stuff that was sort of swirling around him when you kind of got to sit down with him and chat with him at that point. Right. He did that GQ story where he like criticized Dan or, you know, made a comment about Daniel Jones, pardon me. And then after the, for Daniel Jones debut and the Browns are struggling, Giants fans were like, eat it. And then now Daniel Jones is struggling. <laughs> it, it's all a very good lesson in no one should ask anyone to uh, apologize for their takes until we have a few seasons of evidence, I think. Um, I think that's a, that is a very smart call. Um well, cool. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat a little, a little Baker. Um, I, I did want to briefly ask you because I saw this on Twitter. It seemed very controversial. This, this, this uh, Halloween candy ranking that 538 did. Um, I'm just, I don't, it was a, I looked at it and I just couldn't really believe it. I know you tweeted something about it. Um, uh, what is your, your top Halloween candy since we're getting close to that is what? Oh man. I, um, really love Twix bars and they were ranked, they were ranked high. So. They were ranked high. Yeah. I, I was a little upset that I think two variations of Reese's was one and two. I don't know. Like big peanut butter got to that list <laughs> because Reese's is like way too high and all over it. They're good, but like, let's relax. Yeah. Let's all relax. I'm with you with Twix, um, frozen Twix. I'm, I'm all for like, sometimes I'll just buy them and throw them in the freezer and then remember that I have them like a day later and get super excited about it. So, um, I'm, I'm with you on the Twix train. Um, that's a great answer. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you said that. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, all right. Uh, ESPN's Me the Times. Thank you so much for joining me and, uh, we will, uh, we'll have to chat again sometime soon. Have a great day.